Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for the downloads. Thanks for the reviews and everything else on Stitcher, on iTunes, or anywhere where you get podcasts. Thanks again. I uh, hope you had a happy holiday. Let's dive right into it. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line, a veteran of 18 years in the NHL and now TSN lead color analyst and heavily into the, embedded into this World Junior Title Championship in Buffalo. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. I am. Uh, we're in, you know, been in in Buffalo since uh, Chris or I have since Christmas night, and um, it's my seventh World Junior tournament. So we're, uh, you know, I'm a lot more familiar with how it goes and how everything looks in the tournament. But there is, uh, there's still a, as we tape this, there's the semifinals and finals to go, and um, yeah. it's been some pretty damn good hockey in it. While the tournament, I would say itself, has lacked a zip of um tournaments past and mostly you know the crowds have been really sparse and i think they've the organizers kind of either out, outpriced themselves mm-hmm. or they you know by by scheduling every every game in one city yep. they're asking the same fans to buy all the same tickets i think that uh, it's too big of an ask and uh it's come back to to bite them yeah, it looks a little, um, you know, you see the tournament when it's in overseas a little bit sometimes, and you wonder where the fans are in some of those cities, you know, um, over the years, and this looks like that. Yep. This looks unlike any North American tournament that you've seen in the last decade. I've said to Gord Miller a couple of times, I can't believe that this is the same place that had they had the tournament in 2011, which was a screaming madhouse. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um couple things about the tournament. Now, first of all, I was on vacation, so I'll be fr- real frank and admit that I haven't watched a ton of it. I watched a Canadian game the other day, and I watched uh, Sweden's game uh, against uh, uh, who did they play the other day to get into the quarter into the semifinals. Play Swiss? What? No, the the Swedes. Yeah, who did they Swedes play? Played- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I watched that. Um, Rasmus Dahlin was amazing, right? There's nothing you've seen. Then go, I just watched one game, but there's nothing you've seen, right, to, to indicate that this kid is anything but just the next superstar. No, nothing no. at all. No. <laughs> I, I, I view I view Darlene as Connor McDavid and um, Austin Matthews of defensemen. Yeah. Over the last couple of drafts, when everybody was going gaga over those guys, yeah, the same thing for. Excuse me for Darlene. Uh, he's big. He's incredibly mobile. What I've seen here, Steve, that I didn't know about him, is he's really got a a pride to his game. We were doing one of his games, and he wasn't very good in the first period. Um, just okay in the start of the second, and then it was almost like he got embarrassed that he wasn't mm-hmm. playing well. Yep. And he kicked it up a gear. And uh, he's man. The game is, I watched, he was amazing. Is, he was great. Yeah. Um, so, so he's got he's got six assists in the tournament. Um, you know, yep. far and away the the best defenseman here. 
Uh, by the way, we're going to have TSN's director of scouting, Craig Button, on, who's in Buffalo and knows these kids inside and out. And I'm sure, Ray, you've been talking to him all, all, all week and, and the whole tournament. And uh, so he's going to join us on the show. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Craig loves yeah, to. Yeah, Craig, uh, Craig so, knows these guys. Yeah. Craig knows these guys as well as anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. his, you know, his job at TSN, of course, includes um, scouting these players, prepping for the draft. So Craig, um, Craig will, have, you know, where I see yep. them 10 times, Craig's probably seen them 25. Yeah. And it, you know, you start to really get a picture of what's what. So uh, I want to talk to you about the outdoor game. But before we get to that, the USA-Canada game is generally, you know, one of the more important games of the tournament for seeding-wise and for, for standings-wise and everything, and, the, and your path to the gold medal game. And it normally is. But the before we get to the outdoor game, the USA's loss to Slovakia was was the game of the tournament. It, it set the Americans up for a much tougher road. Uh, it set them up you know, to play Sweden to get in the semifinals as we tape this. That was maybe an upset that we haven't seen for a while for a team that we talked last show, Ray, about how there wasn't any clear-cut favorite, but the things that I read, a lot of guys like the Americans, and, uh, and it's going to be tough now. Yeah, they, um, they've got a good team, and what ended up happening was they fell asleep a little bit against Slovakia, and um, they had a chance to push them out of the game in the first period. They didn't get it done. And so w- when you're an underdog, there's, there's a really tried-and-true formula to beating mm-hmm. somebody that's heavily favored. That your goalie has to be re- very good, and Slovakia's Roman Derny was excellent. Your specialty teams have to be good, and theirs were. Um, your, you have to capitalize when you get chances. Slovakia didn't have a whole bunch of chances, but when they did, mm-hmm. they capitalized. And so after Casey Middlestad scores a goal with like two and a half minutes left, um, it's just a gorgeous individual effort to tie the game at two. So it seems like the game will get to overtime where the U.S. would have a, yep. a clear advantage in the, in the overtime period. Then the U.S. falls asleep for 10 seconds, and um, the, the Slovaks come down the ice. Uh, Budic is the player who scored two goals that game. He made a move, and basically four Americans fell down. I'm not real sure what happened, but everybody but the goal judge fell down at that end of the ice, and he went around the back of the net and scored. And and by giving up that goal, you're right, it puts them into a way tougher road. I mean, Canada gets the Swiss in the quarterfinals, quarterfinals, and they walk over them 8-2. to Uh, Now they got the Czechs, who played their hearts out to get through their quarterfinal game uh, against the Finns. They played... They basically played two lines and four defensemen, two and a half lines and four defensemen. Yeah. Now, they get a day off today, but you know they're going to be gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to try to keep up to Canada might, is going to be a tall order. Yeah, it was, uh, it's an interesting game, that one. I was following it on Twitter a little bit. I'm like, holy smokes. I'm like, Slovakia is going to do this. Wow. Yeah, um, they, they played really good. They, who, deserve, they deserve that. And we'll talk a little bit more with Craig about individual players, but who's the one guy – that's opened your eyes the most. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, we talked about the, you know, Middlestad and, and Darlene and these guys that are, are, are great, but who's somebody that you're like, wow, I, I had no idea. Uh, Pavel Zadina. Yep. Um, from the Czech Republic. Now he's a highly touted player. He's going to go in the top four or five in the draft. And, um, you know, so I knew his pedigree, but yes. I didn't know him. I hadn't seen him. Uh-huh. Um, this kid can score. He can skate. He's got good size. Um, seems to have a real sense of timing about, when to get to the net, when to stay away from the net, um, when, to, when to pick a seam out and to drive through. He's a dangerous guy on the power play. Got a terrific shot. And, um, yeah, I would say he's the, 
he's the guy that's really jumped out from a forward perspective. Mm-hmm. On the blue line would be Connor Timmins from Canada, um, Colorado second rounder. He is really good. Yep. Really very good. I think he's been Canada's bestie. Somebody that you're like, yeah, you knew he was good, and then you watch him game in and game out, and you're like, oh, wait. Like he's, yeah, you watch yeah. the guy night after night, and you start to yep. pick out the warts, but you also see where the really good stuff is, and that's, it's been pretty easy to find with Timmons. Uh, the outdoor game, how was the experience for you calling it? How was it? What did you think? Um, it was interesting. Um, we were on the ice before the game. We taped the segment. Uh-huh. Sunny, clear. We were actually concerned that there were streaks of sunlight across the ice that might be a problem. Yep. I had a blast being on the ice. It's yeah. so cool to skate outdoors again in this big, big stadium. And you know, so the warm-up comes and goes, everything's fine. Uh-huh. Just as the anthem singer's finishing, it started to snow. And it snowed for three hours. And <laughs> so where we were in the football press box, so um, our view was back and flat. Yep. Uh, when you're in an NHL rink, you're high and straight down. So you can see the players better, you see their numbers better. So that was a challenge for us. Uh, The near side boards, uh, you can't see the puck. You know, you've got to kind of look on the cameras and, you know, do some other things to to identify the puck. But um, I I would say the toughest part was it just snowed so darn hard that those guys, those snow shoveler guys, they must have been exhausted. (laughs) Because, so, man, they had a stack of snow by the end of the game that yeah. you could build a snow fort out of. Um, the hockey always in the outdoor games is just okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it's supposed to be a spectacle. There was 45,000 people there. They got that. Um, I, um, I was entertained. I was damn cold, but I was entertained. My, <laughs> wow. my wife, Cammie, was there with the kids, and oh, they cool. had a great They loved it. So windows were open. In the press box. Not in my booth. Oh, okay. No, I, you said you were damn cold, so I thought maybe yet Gord needed the windows open or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't need the windows open. You need What you need is your eyes open. Um, uh, no, it's, it was I yeah. mean, the whole day cold, but we yeah. were, like, Gord and I were fine. Yeah. I mean, like, where the broadcasters were, we were okay. Um, you know, the 45,000 people yeah. better had good boots and gloves on, that's for sure. So you relied on the monitor a little more than you would at a normal game here? In this one, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I never look at the monitor when when I'm doing a game yep. uh, normally, but in a football stadium, yep. you know, I hear people say, you know, complaining on Twitter about some of the camera angles. And so I asked them, uh-huh. okay, so where would you put the cameras? <laughs> like, if you want to bitch about it, yeah. Well, give me a solution. Oh, there isn't one. They're, they're, football. They're never good. I mean, that's I don't. I just watched the Rangers Buffalo game. Steve, yeah, yeah, but how, where are you going to put it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no, it's, there's nowhere to put it. You can't construct a beam that goes over top of the well, stadium that you can run the cameras over. Well, that's do it. it. I don't. I don't. I, I assume that the director of the TV production crew has picked the best spot to put the camera. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not been like you know what? There's there's a better spot, but I'm not putting the camera there. Like, <laughs> it's not like he showed up at two o'clock for a three right. thirty game and right. said, "Hey, let's try and figure this out." They no. when they award the game, they they set out all the camera positions months of in course, advance. Right, they're looking yeah. around, they're figuring it out. Yeah. You get the best you can get. I mean, the, my opinion of the outdoor games has changed quite a bit. They're not for national audiences. Yeah, they're for the local audience, and they're for the local people that are at the games. It's for the uh, it's embracing the celebration of what it is. And, yeah, it's not the greatest hockey, but there's 45,000 people having a, having a blast. And 
man, there were people with their shirts off, dummies as they are. They were, I don't know how they do it. They were well-oiled, I assume. Um, but it was um, – everybody seemed to have fun, and that's the whole point of it. Absolutely. Do you, uh, you want to bring Craig in? I think we should get Craig. He's yeah. about uh, two floors below me or a floor below me in the hotel, so let's get him in. Well, since we talked about the World Juniors, it's going on right now in, uh, in Buffalo, right? It's uh, no better guy to get on the line to talk junior hockey and the junior tournament uh, other than yourself than uh, TSN's Director of Scouting and former NHL GM, Craig Button. What's up, Craig? How are you, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, uh, celebrating a birthday. So yeah, happy they're all birthday. Good when you're feeling, yeah, they're all good when you're feeling good. So I'm feeling great. And the tournament, uh, you know, has uh, been uh, filled with some disappointments and some surprises. But here we are, four teams left. And, you know, Canada looks like they're positioned in a good spot. But I know the USA will have something to say about it. So will Sweden and the surprise checks. Greg, what's, the, what's been your biggest, um, your biggest takeaway from this year's tournament to maybe – some of the past years. For me, it doesn't seem to have the edge or the drama uh, of previous tournaments. Well, Ray, you, you, you know, you think about the different tournaments where, where you have, you, you talk about the edge, the drama, the emotion, the passion. Like, th- th- there was an excitement. I, I, I think about uh, Finland in 2016. We couldn't wait for Line A and Puliarvi and Alho and the way the Finns played. We couldn't wait for those games. And there was such a buildup. And then you couldn't wait for those guys to get out on the ice. You think about Sweden and how good they were before they lost in the overtime to Finland in 2014 in Malmo and how, how incredible those crowds were. And, and you know, you, the excitement of, of a Matthews and the excitement of a McDavid and you know, Rasmus Dahlin is in the tournament, and we know he's really good, but, but there's not the same, and I hate to use the word, but I'll use it, there's not the same sizzle about the players or the teams. And that's, that's not a knock against the talent level or about how well coached these teams are. But it just seems to be lacking. And, you know, it's one of the things that this tournament, for me, Ray, I think, uh, you know, really has, it really makes it special and really makes it stand out. Well, I'm looking at these players now, and I watch them in their interviews, and I watch them the way that they they come out to warm up, um, you know, underneath the stands. They all get their headsets in, and I know it's a new way. But there seems to be less personality year by year by year. There's, it, to, to my mind, there's only a couple of guys that play with a real flair and a personality that I've seen in the tournament. And I'm going to miss a couple here, so you please fill me in. But um, I think Clint Costin, the St. Louis Blues first-rounder uh, from last year who played, plays for Russia, there's a flair and a power about the way that he plays. I've loved Brady Kachuk. I, first time I've seen him live, I think he is a phenomenal young player. Casey Middlestat's got as much skill as anybody in the tournament, but he's a really quiet, quiet kid. So personality-wise, it's Kachuk that stands out. Philip Zadina from the from the Czechs, is, he's going to be a top, what, Craig, two, three pick. I mean, that guy's got style yep. and flash. But there's, And then I guess the other one would be Rasmus Dahlin, who is just so good but doesn't say a whole lot either. So there's like the talent side, but the bursting personality, there just isn't any this year or very much of it. Well, you, you, you think about Patrick Lining, and do you remember Ray before the quarterfinal game when he was asked about uh, who do you think is going to win, and he said Finland. <laughs> like, 
there was no right. hesitation by Patrick, and, and and that's what you're talking about, that flair. Not only did he have the terrific flair uh, on the ice, but he had this, you know, really, you know, magnetic personality off the ice. And, and even with the coaches, Ray, I, I find that the coaches are just kind of in, into a role, and this is who we are, and, you know, there's not even the, the back and forth of, Oh, like, well, this guy does this and this guy does that. It's just kind of mechanical. And I think that the way the game is played, you see, like, teams are really trying to settle into a style of play. And, you know, watching uh, watching Slovakia, and you, I saw Slovakia a number of times. I thought they were a team that came in here and they just said, we're throwing caution to the wind and we're going to play in your face and we're going to play up in the, in, in the game and we're going to be aggressive. And they took Sweden in the quarterfinal. And Sweden had to win a hard, hard game. And it might help them down the road, but I love the way the Slovaks played. I love the way they went after it. And, and they just said, you know, damn the torpedoes. But, you know, I, uh, you know the players are, are so managed now. And it, they get managed long before they get to the World Junior Tournament. It's like, okay, we got to be this and we got to be that. And so I, I think there's personality there, but I, I think they just get, it's almost like they've been given a sedative. And the sedative is be all the same and just continue on doing your business yeah. and don't let anybody see who you are. Because I think there is a lot of personality in a lot of the players, but it's just the way it's all set up. And I don't think that's good for, you know, when we talk about uh, the pizzazz and the sizzle and the, and, and, and the drama of the tournament. There's there's a few players that I got a chance to watch for the first time that you've seen so much more than me. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the first rounders that we've, you know, the Finns have five of them on their blue line. I'm just We're just talking about the fence here to start from this position. Connor Timmons from Canada, Craig, I had no idea he was this good. That kid to me is a top pair or top three NHL defenseman. Smart, smooth, slick with the puck. He seems to read the play exceptionally well. I think he's been Canada's best guy. So, you know, Ray, you think about, you know, you as a player, and you think about where you get the puck, when you get the puck, you know, how it's delivered to you so that you can make a play with the puck, right? And that's what Connor Timmons does, right? Like, I mean, it, there's not a lot of flash to it. It's just like puck on a stick, knows where he's going with it next, you get it, now you go to work, right? And, I mean, that's how yeah. Connor plays. And, you know, what, what always amazes me, Ray, is you go in the draft and hear about, oh, you know, look at, uh, he doesn't have any wow factor. Well, you know what? You know what I want? Like, I mean, I, I love the flair and players and everything, but I don't need the guy that's going to give me a, a wow every now and again and a, oh, my God, like more times than not. I, 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 I love, I want defensemen that give that, that, that you the pocket. Let's, but that's one of the beautiful things just quickly about Dalid and, and Ray, you're describing Timmons, and this is how I see Connor too. So many defensemen, they give you the puck when they've run out of options. They keep going and yeah. they go, whoops, okay, you now have it, right? <laughs> Those guys give you the puck where you have the most options and the most time and the most space. Now you can really go to work and operate. And I think that's what makes them stand out. And I totally agree with you about Connor. Now, another Colorado draft choice, as Timmons is, now this is a little bit different player, but a player that I've just I love watching this kid play as Kale McCarr, the fourth pick in last year's draft. And for as much wow factor as he has, there's also a real, a real slick sense of the game that I see with McCarr. 
Well, and and, and I agree. And, and, you know, I'm lucky. Now, you've I, seen I, him more I, than known you, you like that about him? Sorry, Craig, you've seen him more yeah, than I, you I, like that as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the, oh yeah, absolutely right. But but I but I but I've known Kale since he was a kid, right? So when you're smaller and you're not as big as everybody else, I think he was something like five four when he was drafted in the Western League in a late round draft, and he was always going to school, right? So you have to learn how to get that puck off your stick and be smart and be slick, right? And so now as Kale's grown, I mean, he's over 180 pounds. He's almost six foot. And people still talk about him as a small defenseman, but he's still got all those attributes because that's how he had to play. Because he had to uh, learn how to use what he had to his uh, to his advantage. And I think now that he's matured physically, all those things are 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 more enlightened, and and he's capable of doing more. But that's exactly what he is. I, I, the other thing I've noticed about him too here. He seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable, you know, like making plays instead of just, oh, I'll get it off my stick and get it up there. I think that's another part of this. Turn players at times get into a habit of, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be taken out of the lineup, or this is my first time with the national team. And I think as players get comfortable in the tournament and playing and go, hey, wait a second here, I can play. And I think that's that's what I've seen with Kale. But he, but he is, he's, he, he's a real sharp player in the game. I mean, that quarterfinal game, he didn't even get an assist, but he ended up going from blue line to blue line, board to board to keep the puck live, first on his backhand, then on his forehand. They ended up scoring, but he was reading that play side to side. I mean, it's just that's the type of player he is. Okay, another two more guys. We'll talk on the blue line. We're going to leave Darlene for a minute, but Adam Fox from the U.S., I think he's grown immensely from when I saw him last year at the tournament, a Calgary fourth-round pick. Um, I really like him too, Craig. Yeah, and I'm gonna, and, and I don't know if you're going to bring up Dalamaki, who's the captain of the Finnish team, who was the Calgary's first-round pick last year. I, I think the Flames have two terrific defensemen coming on the horizon. They're sitting right there, aren't they? They are. Yeah, and Adam Fox. I mean, I mean, Adam. You, you know what? It's funny, but like I watched him and watched him play coming through the national team development program, and he was one of those guys you watch. And, oh yeah, he's pretty good. And then one day you just open up your eyes and you give a good shake to your head and you go, wait a second here. The best guy is right there. <laughs> I don't care that he's five foot ten. He's the guy that controls the game. He's the guy that makes all the plays. He's a competitor. And I, I still remember it was just like it was like March of his draft year, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay. What have I been doing? What and I don't watch them eighteen times, right? And they, and sometimes you don't see the forest for the trees. And I'm glad I was able to finally recognize. But there wasn't anything he hadn't done. It was more that I, I just wasn't recognized. It. He, he's such a competitor, and he, he's one of those players that, to me, Ray, I always use this term, they don't get pushed out of the game. doesn't matter how hard you try as an opponent, they don't get pushed out of the game. Good luck trying to push Adam Fox out of the game. <laughs> well, and last guy before we move to the forwards here, and this is for Steve, who lives in Vegas, who loves his Vegas Knights. Well, no, wow. he doesn't. He likes his Vegas Knights. <laughs> he loves his Toronto Maple Leafs, but his wife loves the Knights. She's going to love Eric Brandstrom. That guy is worth the price of admission. (laughs) Vegas has got another. So they put this team together of a bunch of guys that can skate. Yeah. Brandstrom is 
so explosive. I love the way that kid plays the game. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. So, 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 Steve, I just want to let you know, right? Yeah. He, 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 he only he only has one flaw in his game or in his in, in his whole package. He's not tall. Yeah, and that's it. That's the, only, that's the only flaw. He lacks height. He lacks height. There's nothing else that Eric Brandstrom doesn't have to raise his point, okay? He's a, he's a terrific skater. He can move side to side in tight areas. He can explode with quickness. He's got great vision. He's got great ability to make plays with the puck on the move or like in, in a static setup. He can shoot the puck, and he's a big-time competitor, and he knows how to compete uh, using his size. But again, he's just a uh, – Ray, I mean, you think about him and you think about his ability to play so well and so strong in all areas of the game and you add him to the other first rounders that they have last year, Cody Glass and Nick Suzuki, who very well could be on Canada's world junior team. Yeah. I mean, then the season, the Vegas Gold Knights are heaven. And then you look at like, to me, what I think are like, like top end players, Branstrom and Suzuki and, and Cody Glass. Uh, it just seems to me that it's going to even get better for the Vegas Golden Knights, and you're going to love Branch. You're going to love yeah. him because he just plays. Okay, I've only I've seen half a dozen forwards that I get really excited about here. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to have so much time to go through all of them. But give a quick brief note: um, Martin Nechas from uh, the Czech Republic. He's a Carolina first rounder. To me, the difference between an 18 year old Nechas and now is miles stronger, more powerful, uh, more certain. Um, Carolina's got a good one here. They do. And, and, and I used it as a comparison last year, and, and I'll, I'll, I continue to use it. He reminds me so much in, in terms of the style he plays of Mark Shifley, the terrific centerman for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think, just as you point out, it's, it, it's, it, with maturity, he's just going to get that much better. And he, he wants to play the game and all it's – I mean, he, he – Power play penalty killing. He plays defense. He plays offense, and and he plays it with with a lot of lot of high end skill. And and he's one of the players, Ray, that I think has flair to his game. I think when he grabs that puck and he starts moving, you, you see that that potential for flair. And he he he's a player that really makes things happen. Last year, you could see the skill and the potential, but now because he's older and stronger, he's able to really take it to another level. I think they got a great pick at number twelve. Buffalo's looking for something good to happen here because they've been getting their teeth kicked in for a half a dozen years. Um, you know, it's having they've had a poor season to date, mm-hmm. um, and yet they've got another bright light coming here. I, I've I read all this stuff about Casey Middlestat, ridiculous as it is that he couldn't do a pull up. I don't, that's fine. Go go draft a guy that's great in that CrossFit if that's what you're worried about. But. Man, this kid can play with the puck, Craig. Like, he has got slick hands. So, Casey Middlestad leading the tournament in scoring. Well, I mean, but, but what happens if you want him to be a gymnast? And then he has to be able to do a pull-up, can't right? do that. Like, yeah. you know, can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a gymnast. He's a damn good hockey player is what he is. And you know what? I, there's two things I love about Casey. And and this is where I and then you know I, I'm going to be real quick on my quick rant here. My, he went back to high school in Minnesota. He wanted to play at Eden Prairie with his friends and try to win a state championship in, in Minnesota. That's really significant for a Minnesota kid. And I told Casey heading into his draft year, if that's what you want to do, go and do it. Follow your dreams. It's your last chance. 
They didn't win the state championship, but he got involved. And people are saying, oh, why do you go to high school? Casey Middlestad, you evaluate the player, not where he's playing. And Casey Middlestad, Ray, he's got a quick mind. He's got slick hands. That ability to, as he's making a move with his hands, he's also ready to know where he's going to deliver the puck. You think about that game in in the outdoor game, how he sets up Brady Kachuk as Kachuk's coming around. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's a great play on great ice. That play being made in the snow with the yeah. conditions, I'm going, holy, like, you're, you're, you're sitting back and going, wow, that is something. And I agree with you. And you know what? He's a terrific young man that really has a lot of confidence in himself. And I think he showed that by going back to high school and the Buffalo Sabres. Like, you know, you start talking about adding skill to their lineup, he adds a lot of skill to their group. Uh, for our friends out in Vancouver, um, I, you know, I was, I've been a little nervous seeing Elias Patterson because he, he looks like a 13-year-old. Um, <laughs> he, he's, my goodness, he's skinny. But, man, is he good. He's smart. <laughs> he drives the net hard, uh, which really impressed me, Craig, because I wasn't sure what, you know, if he was going to do that yet. But he's had a fabulous year in the SHL, the Swedish, uh, Swedish Hockey League. Um, I'm really impressed. The Canucks have a have a top end player here, don't they? Yeah, they do. And and you know you're trying to add in high high end skill. And, and Elias Pettersson has high high end skill. And you know I'm going to use the term again about getting pushed out of the game. Some players aren't physically ready to handle some of the rigors physically, but it doesn't prevent them from getting invested and involved in those areas around the net. And other players that are big and strong just get pushed right out. They let themselves get pushed out. That's why Elias, like, he's going to mature. He's going to become stronger uh, like the Scandinavian players do. And when he dies, and it's hard to believe, 19 years old, top scorer in the SHL. I mean, that's a good league. And the hard to believe that as he gets stronger, he's only going to become that much better. And, you know, People in time are going to start to go, wow, what a special player. And the one thing to me that, that, that I've really impressed with this year is how much he's improved his shot. He was always a really good passer, but his shot wasn't as good. Now I watch that shot, and that just makes him that much more of a threat because he can pass the puck, he can thread the needle, and he can pick his spots in the net. We're going to move on. Uh, a couple more things, Craig. Uh, goaltenders, hard to judge sometimes because the guys that look the best often are the guys that just get bombarded in that. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're getting 50 shots a game, and the, the two at the top of the charts are Roman Derny from Slovakia, who I believe uh, is going to end up as the all-tournament team goaltender. He had a, an amazing tournament. But Josef Koronash as well, uh, the Czech goaltender, was was brilliant in the, in the quarterfinal win. Um Either one of those guys you see as a, a pro prospect? I see them both. And, and you know, interestingly enough, Joseph Kornash, he, he went through a draft two years ago. And it was one of those guys, and I get it, seven rounds, you know, maybe you don't want to take a guy. He went and played in the USHL last year in Lincoln. And, uh, 
ended up not being drafted again, but I remember talking to the manager there, John Hall, and I remember he, we were talking about I said I was surprised. San Jose signed him as a free agent this past summer, and I think they have a really good prospect on their hands. They don't have to rush him. They have Martin Jones in their system. They have some other goalies, but now he can go and, and develop in that, and, and I think that's just really sharp scouting. So they didn't, he wasn't drafted, but now you can sign him as a free agent. I definitely think that he's got NHL potential, and I think it's a real smart signing by the San Jose Sharks. Roman Durney, there's goaltenders in Ray. You've seen this tournament. You watch how go. Some guys you go, yeah, like you, you think back to Slovakia when they won the bronze in 2015. Gudla was really good, but you didn't look at him and go, that's an NHL goalie. I didn't anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Roman Durney, right. I, I, I look at, I say, that's an NHL goalie. He's big. He moves. He's he's athletic. He, he he's he's in position to make the saves, and he's he's got this really great sense of calm in the net. And I think those are really, really good attributes uh, to possess if you want to move on as a goalie. And I, I definitely think that he will be drafted in the in this uh, upcoming NHL draft. Because I do see him as, a, as an NHL potential goalie. I really do. I really like him. Last goalie is Carter Hart. Um, that goofy superstition about being the last guy off the ice, <laughs> that has to go yeah. into the garbage can. Oh, yeah. Because if that I'm was... coaching the other team, I got one of my guys, I'm going to give him a chair and tell him, just sit out here, <laughs> move it for the Zamboni, and then pull the chair back out. But, Craig, he's um, he's really calm. He's really methodical. I, 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 see, um, I see a goalie that the Flyers have been looking for for a long time that they may have found. I, I 100% agree with you, and, and, and Carter's a terrific young man and with all the abilities. And, and I think the biggest thing he's got to realize is that the, bil- the abilities he possesses are, are the things that carry his game, not the superstitions, not what he eats or when he leaves the ice or how he puts on his path. And, and I think that, you know, with maturity and, and, and understanding that he alone is, is the architect of his own success, not, not his rituals, not these little things. Because ultimately, to me, those are the things that can hold you back. And I think that Carter needs to realize that. I think he's smart enough to realize that and hopefully realizes it sooner rather than later. But when you talk about that ability to be calm in the net, controlled in the net, not break down, you know, always seemingly be that, that goaltender that you're looking up and you're waiting for him to make a move so you can see part of the net. It never happens. Yeah. And his numbers in the Western Hockey League are like, there's simply something you never see. But it's a, it, it, it is about his ability. It's not about being the last guy off the ice. And I agree with you. I think the Flyers have a real good one there. So we're down to the semis uh, for a tournament that hasn't had a lot of drama. The attendance has been poor. I've been, I, I think the organizers here swung and missed with, you know, trying to put the entire tournament in one city. You're asking the same number of pe- or the same people to buy all the tickets. It's the third time in four years in this short area from Toronto through to Buffalo. Is there going to be drama between now and the end? That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping for the best games to be here. Canada check. Um, the, the Swedes and the Americans, who goes to the final and who wins? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'll start with the Swedes and, and uh, the U.S. I, I, the Swedes last year, 
I thought were the best team. I, I thought going into the semifinal uh, that they were the best team. They got up two nothing quickly on Canada. You know, Dominic Ducharme had to pull uh, Connor Ingram, and he ended up getting Carter Hart in that. And then once. Canada started to push. Sweden wasn't able to respond back, and they went out of the tournament. They didn't even win a bronze. I think the game against Russia on New Year's Eve and then the quarterfinal game against Slovakia was really good for Sweden. I think it, it, it did two things for them. Number one, it challenged them. It pushed them. They had to find a way to win a game. And number two, they had to find a way to win a game in the quarterfinal where their best players were far from performing at their best levels. They got a couple mm-hmm. of goals from Isaac Lindstrom. Uh, you know, Tim Soderlin was a real good player. Selgren, the defenseman, had to be really good in penalty killing. So I think that really helped the sweep. When you have a bad game in the semifinal, you don't got any, there's no chance for, for the next game. I think now the Swedes now know they have some other players that can step up and they're ready to, and those top end players are not going to have bad games. So I'm picking Sweden to beat the USA. I really like the USA. I'm not crazy about their goaltending. Uh, and I think Gustafson, who I may have had some questions on coming into the tournament, has answered them for me. I think he's real solid in the net. And I think when, uh, when, you, when, when the Swedes will benefit from their path, to the to the gold medal game. Mm-hmm. As for Canada and the and the Czechs, listen, the, the Czechs to me, their their first four defensemen, their top four defensemen, their first two lines, I think can match Canada. But Canada's depth after that, their next ten skaters are just so much better than the Czechs' next ten skaters. And I think that's where Canada carries the carries the game. And you know, I, I it's not going to be a washout like it was in the pre-tourney game because mm-hmm. the Czechs are confident and they're better. But Canada's just too good. So to me, that sets up a, a Canada Sweden uh, gold medal game. And I think that just because of the test that Sweden has had, the path that they had to go to get there, I think that. They run out of they run out of a little bit of juice, and I think Canada finds a way to win the gold medal after a real disappointing loss in the gold medal game, and making sure they finish first. They got Swiss in their quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. You know the Czechs are, are good, but Canada's depth carries them, and I think it carries them all the way to the goals. And you know I, the, the Swedes, forty four straight wins in group play, find themselves on the short end of the gold medal game again. That's how I see it playing out. I see the U.S. winning the bronze. What do you think, Ray? Is uh, do you agree? I do. I I think it's it's an interesting Canadian team in that there's you know nobody really jumps out and says oh I got to watch this guy but they've got a it, to me that you can replace a lot of the faces with guys on the same team like you you know there's Sam Steele and there's Robert Thomas there's Taylor Radish and um, Jordan Cairo it's the different players but they're they're all kind they kind of all fit in the same ballpark. And I think that's just that's going to be overwhelming for the Czechs. And then they get into the final, and the crazy part here is the Swedes have won. I think the Swedes will beat the U.S. as well. The Swedes have won like 43 games in a row in the preliminary rounds. But they've always found a way somehow to fall on their nose in the gold medal game or in the semifinal game. I, something tells me the Swedes are going to win. I I don't know why I think that right, right. because I like Canada I like Canada's goaltender better. Yep. Um, I think Canada's depth is better, but I don't I don't even have a real reason. But I think the gold medal against Canada, Sweden, and it's like a three-two 
really close game. Shootout. Please don't say shootout. Please don't say no, shootout. No, gosh, no. God, I hope this thing gets settled in overtime. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. I mean, the, a quick question for you, Ray, if I, if I may. Do you think that, uh, do, do you think that, you know, potentially some of the injuries on the blue line may catch up to Canada? Well, it seems interesting that, you know, Mete was going to play, no, they're going to hold him back and he's going to be, you know, he'll be full go. Uh, they've done the same with Fabro a mm-hmm. couple of times in this tournament. Um, uh, Bean was hurt early in the tournament. Fortunately, was okay. I do think there's a point where guys just aren't at 100%. Now, uh-huh. to balance that out, though, Craig, so to, a- to answer your question, yes. But to balance that out, Elias Anderson didn't, didn't play um, in the quarter or played, did he even play. I don't even think he was he yeah, even in the game? Yeah, he's played 11 minutes. He's got, a, he's, he's, yeah. he's got a shoulder injury. Right, he got hit in the last minute against the Russians. Um, if he's not at 100%, that's a big loss for them. That kid's an engine-type player. I, I, lo- I love the way the, that New York Rangers first-rounder plays. But that can be a balance. If he's not at 100%, Mete's not at 100%, I, I still think the Swedes have – I just somehow think it's their year. Even though when you talk to the yeah. Swedish media – they always think they're never going to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we wrap here on the uh, Paul Pocky Show, Craig Button, uh, TSN's Director of Scouting, some great World Junior talk. I want to switch it to the NHL a little bit before we let you go, Craig. And I know how this goes. You guys are all at the same restaurants. You're all the same bars and hotel lobbies, and you're all hanging out talking about the league and the tournament and everything else. So, Craig, what's the best – slash juiciest rumor you've heard that could happen down the road? Somebody on the block, somebody, uh, a team looking to make a move, or, or something going on that you've heard uh, in this lobbies, bars, restaurants, etc. Yeah, well, I mean, first thing I want to just let you let you know and let everybody know is, is that I'm, I'm not in the bars and the lobbies. I'm up in my room after the game studying, preparing, getting my rest. Wow, okay, okay. Like, and so... So really, you I just have great, great. You've got a twin. You've got a twin that was out last night. You <laughs> You've got to, please call the cops. Call the cops. <laughs> well, so all kidding aside, I, you know what? I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to hit three Canadian teams here, mm-hmm. and I think they're all in similar boats. And I think they all have to make the decision that where they're at is nowhere close to where they need to be, and that's the Edmonton Oilers the Ottawa Senators, and the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I don't think the Montreal Canadiens are going to change their coach because they just hired Claude Julien for five years. You know, Guy Boucher looks in Ottawa like he, he, his best before date may have come. And the Edmonton Oilers, for whatever reason, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, they just don't have enough skill around their, their top-end players. So, Peter Sorelli and Pierre Dorian have to do something. I'm not so sure Mark Bergerman uh, survives, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you. Yep. The team as constructed in Montreal right now is all his handiwork, and his handiwork has led to one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. So I think that you have to watch those three teams. Who they are, yep. what they are, is, is, is not changing unless significant changes are made. Right. And whether that be behind the bench, whether that be in the front office, and certainly with some player personnel, that to me is the, 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 those trio of teams in Canada have to take a long, hard look and, and make the hard decisions. 
What about you, Ray? What do you hear? What do you know? What have you been talking to? Well, the only the only other thing I would add to that is, uh-huh. you know, Vancouver will start to make some moves here um, in the relative near future. But the Canucks were were not expected to be a team like the three that Craig mentioned. Right. Um, you know, they, they're a team on the build. They're on the. You know, they they're looking for Elias Patterson to to show up. They're looking for Adam Goddard to show up. Um, you know, they they've they've had. A player I think is as good as any rookie in the league in Brock Besser. They're going to get Bo Horvat back. Sven Berchi will get back. They're trying to get younger. They're trying to get more skilled. So a guy like Goodbranson, a guy like Vanek almost certainly will be moved. But those aren't moves like the moves that Craig's talking about. Right, right, and right. So I, I would suspect those are the ones uh, from the Canadian teams that, that we'll see. I would think Columbus is still poking around for a center. I think Columbus is a really good team. Um but they seem like there's a part missing, and it might be a centerman. All right. Interesting. And, and Ray, what about Pittsburgh? Oh, boy. Now, see, they're, they're in that dangerous spot, aren't they, Craig? I mean, you can't say, okay, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be cautious. We'll, you know, this year might run itself out, and then we'll go at it again this year. Crosby's 30. Like, it, somehow – Sidney Crosby got to be 30, and Evgeny Malkin got to be 30 years old. So, like, the, they have to continue to push, continue to try to get better. And so I can't imagine Jimmy Rutherford's going to go into this, into this trade deadline, which is now, what, seven weeks away, and stay the course. I don't, I don't see how he can do it. I, I think there's a big move coming in Pittsburgh. I'm with you, Craig, if that's what you mean, that um, – they're not. They're not going to be the same team come the first of March. So there's something to those Latang rumors. Then you think, Ray? Oh, I don't know if it's Latang or not. Right. Um, I think Latang's a hell of a player. Uh, man, he sure battled some pretty serious, significant injury over the last couple of years. And if I were a team interested in acquiring him, I'd be. I wouldn't be worried about Latang's skill or his mm-hmm. ability. I'd be worried about his durability and the length of his contract. All right, perfect. Good stuff. Well, thanks, Craig, for coming on the show. Appreciate the insight. Uh, definitely one of the best uh, junior uh, experts in the country. I love listening to your stuff. And uh, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, I, I, I really feel that uh, we could talk for, for a couple hours. Uh, there's uh, there's oh, a yeah. lot of really good players. There's lots of, lots of stuff around the league. But uh, thanks again for having me, and Happy New Year. Perfect. Greg, well, uh, I'll see you in the lobby for a coffee. I'll even buy this time. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks Greg. Greg. Thanks. As always, good stuff from, from Craig, right? Uh, the guy knows the, these players inside and out, man. It, it's great. And he's, a, and he's a good man. Craig is a, a terrific guy. He's well, well connected from his days as a general manager. Um you know, and being around the NHL for 35 years, and um, he knows these kids well. He does, and he's uh, love talking to him about the game. Did you happen to see uh, Jeff O'Neill chirp you today? Today? On Twitter? Why now? Yeah. Well, he said that while you and uh, uh, James have done nothing today, James Duffy have done nothing, he has called 25 GMs for his, for his story he's working on or poll or something. I think that's a, I think that's admirable of Jeff. He's worked four days in the tournament, and, uh, and all that he does is bitch and complain about the amount he works. When when James and Bob were doing three games yesterday, yeah, O did one. When I was doing two games yesterday, right. O did one. O's had multiple days off. He should zip it 
I'm enjoying this That's back and I forth. Uh, two million a year. He chirped you for your, you and Jace for your salaries. Uh-huh. Oh, I love yeah. it. It's great. Um, yeah, always well compensated for his uh, for, per minute. <laughs> right. That way. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit of NHL stuff. I want to ask you were uh, predictions for the trophies. Uh, let's go there. Um, it's hard for you, Ray. I'm, I'm I'm assuming it is. You tell me. How hard is it for you to keep one eye on what's going on in the NHL or a quarter of an eye? Because uh, you're so embedded. You're so into this junior tournament. I don't even know if I have. Yeah, you said a quarter of an eye. A quarter That's of an eye. What I, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's really impossible because, you know, so I'm doing two games a day. The games are at four and eight. Yep. It's so by the time I'm finished, it's done. Yeah, I guess I can catch a period of a late night game. But yep. Yep. you know what? I'm not. Right. <laughs> I, I catch up by most of the general managers and their and uh, and or head scouts are here yep. or assistant GM. So run into guys, talk about their teams, and yeah. um, that's how I stay mostly connected. Right. Um, so the Leafs and Knights played New Year's Eve. It was a big day in our household. Didn't go very well. Yeah, and you came up second, eh? No, oh, she turned when it was three nothing Knights. She turned to me. She goes. I kind of feel bad for you. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Well, you got to give the credit. She, she's yeah. caring. No, she's she, caring about. She is. Um, and Leaf Nation was strong too, and I mean, they, the Knights just they, they started skating. Um, you know, they, they they started skating the first period. Hyman hit the did a wraparound, hit the post. Uh, 45 seconds in, and then the Knights just woke up, started skating, and started just going down the ice. I've seen it. Every single freaking home game now that I go to these guys. And, uh, I mean, Austin Matthews got him within one and it looked good, but then they just zipped it in. And, you know, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? 17, 17 and two and one at home. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, like, that is astounding. Right. Um, but I think, you know, with Zaitsev out of the lineup, mm-hmm. as, as much as the Leafs never talk about anything publicly, I mean, there's, there's no way they can look at their defense and say, yeah. yes, this is the defense we want. And so I suspect that they'll. They'll be one of the teams that um, that is active, at least uh, aggressively active, uh, trying to get a deal done for a defenseman before the deadline. I've had it with Roman Polak, Ray. I've had it. He's, he, he, I don't. But, but I don't know. But the thing is, with Zaitsev out of the lineup, for whatever reason, Babcock feels he's the guy that should get elevated minutes. <sighs> and Roman Polak should be, if he's in your lineup, he should be your sixth guy. And he, you should use him killing penalties. But he can't play a lot. In my, the more you play him, the more chance he's going to get exposed, and I think that's been the case. Yeah, I don't know why Babcock just what he—he's uh, like a classic. Uh, he doesn't—he won't give the young guys shots because they haven't earned it, but they can't earn it because he won't give them a shot. Like Connor Carrick, I think is a better player than Roman Polak every single day of the week, and he can't get back in the lineup. And, and well, he is, yeah. but he's not two hundred and thirty pounds, <sighs> and. And so that's, for whatever reason, that's a little uh, bit of an old-school look from Babcock, right. in my opinion. Yeah, I just, uh, anyway. Anyway, so it was good to, uh, to see the Knights and Leafs game, and it went well. As far as our, our divorce, we didn't get divorced. Everything went okay. Well, that's good news. Yep, because the Leafs got, you know, it, it was, wasn't, they got back into the game a little bit. It wasn't a blowout, so. All right, um, I know you just said a quarter of an eye. Uh, the Habs and the Oilers are bad again, Ray. <laughs> They're bad again. So, just want to let you know on that. Uh, I don't know what's well, going I, on. Like, I didn't pick the Habs to make the playoffs before the season. Yeah. And I felt their center ice position was as bad as anybody in the NHL. They did nothing uh, to adjust that. 
to address that. Yep. Uh, they got fooled early that Placanets had a good start, um, and they're like, oh, maybe this could be a, um, you know, a year that he revives himself. I I don't know why that would happen, but anyway, yep. Yep. and that and that. That sounds like I'm really down on Placanitz. I'm not. I think he's a good player. Yep. But he's a player that's in on the decline. He's 36 years old. Yep. And so, anyway, yep. Yep. They, they're not a playoff team, and they're not going to be. Yep. Um, and and that's kind of the, <laughs> yeah. that's the way it is. The Oilers, I, you know, I don't know that they've got, as Craig alluded to, I don't know if they've got a lot of enough skill around Connor McDavid up top. Um, they kind of bullied their way. Um with remarkable years uh, of, from Dreisaitl and McDavid last year. Um, you know, the great year from Cam Talbot. And they basically brought back the same team, and it's yep. the holes are exposed. They're penalty killing, my goodness, at home. If I was on it, it couldn't be worse. <laughs> They're killing off 54% of their power plays at home. Is it, is it that bad? I haven't looked. It's historic. <laughs> So if I was on it, how could it be worse? Holy smokes. Well, I didn't know it was that bad. Um, so they're, they, they're a long ways back. I don't know if they can make this ground up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. It's going to be tough. Uh, they look like they Both teams look like they kind of turned a corner, but they, they've sunk back down. So we're 40... We're 40-some games in the league, into the, into the season for a lot of teams. Um, let's take... Shots at the dark ray at some trophies, right? I mean, you, you're not a fan of doing this stuff. I'm kind of making you do it. No, you, you, I hate it. Right, right. I hate so. it. That's fine. We'll do it. Uh, okay, so the Art Ross Trophy, uh, leading score in the league. Kucherov is up by six over uh, Bailey and seven over DeForest and Stamkos. Uh, McDavid is 11 back. So, who wins the Art Ross? Well, I'm going to take Kucherov because he's got that six-point pad. Yep. Uh, because he plays with Stamkos, it's going to be tough for Stamkos to get points that Kucherov doesn't. Right. Um, I think McDavid's too far back. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of points to try and make up. Uh, Josh Bailey's having a career year in oh, a yeah. contract year. Yep. Good for him. And, um, you know, yep. I, I don't know. I, I just think Kucherov's a hell of a player, and, and, and I'm going to pick him. All right. Uh, yeah, and his contract's up uh, two years, I think, this year and next, and then he's got to get inked. Yeah. So, and he's going to get, and he's going to, what do they say? He's going to get paid. <laughs> he's going to get paid. All right. Your Hart Trophy nominees uh, will probably be, well, can you go Stamkos and Kucherov? Can you go two guys on the same team? Has that been done? I don't think that's ever been done. I don't know how it could be done. Right. How could you be the most valuable player if someone playing on your same team is <laughs> right. the most valuable? Right. So one of them has to get nominated. Uh, you... I'm going to say it's Kucherov. Okay. Uh, Tavares and, will probably make it, depending on how the Islanders do here. Yeah. But I think Tavares will be a, a selection uh-huh. for sure. Um, I think there's a chance Drew Doughty, or I'm not. I'm going to pull that back. I think Andre Kopitar could be an MVP candidate. Okay, um, he's having a, a phenomenal year. Uh, but I, I would give Kucherov the double here. If he wins yep. the scoring title, he's going to get the heart for me. And the Lightning finish first overall, which they look good to. You know, all of that. Right. Time, I mean, right? it would yep. be tough. It would be tough to miss that. Uh, the Norris Trophy. It looks. I, I don't think Brent Burns or, or Eric Carlson get nominated, right? Which is shocking. But do you see any of them not? Yeah. No, I don't see either of them. Nope. Not either of them. This year. So Drew Doughty, Subban, Victor Hedman, John Carlson is having a good scoring year. Peter Angelo has been having yeah, a good year. I think it's, I think it's possible it's Doughty, Hedman, Petrangelo. Yep. Um, 
the problem is when you pick three guys, of course, there's some guys that are hanging right by a thread, and you're, I almost hate not picking some of them. But I think this is Doughty's, uh, a Doughty year. Yep. He has had a phenomenal year. He plays. They tried to ease his minutes off. That hasn't worked. They've opened the door a little bit for him offensively, and I think we've seen some of those skills we always knew Doughty had. The Kings are a, a surprise team for me, yep. and, and Doughty's been just awesome. I, I think I would pick Doughty at this point. A Calder Trophy? What do you think? Who do you got? I got Brock Besser. Yep. Um, with all due respect to the other guys, um, scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in the NHL these days. And Besser makes it look really easy. Yeah. Um, he's got a great shot. He's smart. He's not the fastest guy, but he's fast enough. Um, you know, some yep. of the other guys, like Barzell and Keller and, you know, Charlie McAvoy's had an amazing year in Boston. Yep. They're, all, they're all in the mix. But as of today, um, I'm taking Besser. Kyle Connor, outside shot, playing well lately. I think he uh, is, yeah. but I, too far, not too right. far back. The Vesna, I came up with. I was uh, Vasilevsky. I think it just has this on lock, right? I mean, again, going to the Lightning guy, but I mean, as we're picking this today. Yeah, it's not. We don't know what's going to happen in the next thirty games, but Vasilevsky is the one goalie I've watched at the World Junior Tournament, and the first time I saw him, you know, watched him through the tournament, I said that guy's going to be a star. He yeah. just looked as a six, seventeen-year-old. He looked like a star. And then at 18 and 19, he was. Um, now he's in, you know, he's yep. he played a game in the finals two years ago when Bishop was banged up a little bit and played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a great year along with it, just about everybody else in Tampa. Um, he would be he would be my Vezina winner right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Jack Adams, just Gerard Gallant. There we go. How could it be anybody else? Right? <laughs> uh, like anybody else, they're having good years, and John Cooper's having a good year. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 Gallant. Yep. Uh, the Selkie, I, I literally put in my email that I have no idea. Did we just give it to Patrice Bergeron again? I don't know. If, if, I think if there's any trophy that's got a default to it, it is the Selkie. Uh-huh. You know, like, you're not sure? Yeah, sure, Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever, right? Um, you know, like, th- this trophy to me, I, you know, it seems like you need to be a scorer plus a good defensive player. And so, if that's the case, then you you know you're at Kopitar, right. and you're at Bergeron. You know, like you're at the same cast of characters all the time. Yeah, one, so I'm, I'll, I'll say I'm going to say Kopitar this year. He's you know he's, I think he's had just a fabulous year. The two trophies that have and, and you know what at the end of the day these trophies aren't like a huge deal. I, I don't feel like I feel like they've lost. I feel like I don't track them as much as I used to, Ray, for whatever reason. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but. Two trophies that have really changed over the years are the Norris and and the the Selkie. Like Rod Langway won the Norris twice, you know, and 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 Ganey used to win the Selkie. Well, they kind of created for him, I guess, but without high point totals. And we've morphed these things into like almost like you know scoring things. So yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, there there are times when you know I don't know what the best defensive forward is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, does that mean a guy that? never scores. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because it seems like that guy, even if he's really good at what he does, Steve, it's not enough. I, I think the, I don't think this thing was, you know, it's morphed into something that's not in the spirit of the way the award was created. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into some Twitter questions and we'll wrap this up uh, from Caspi. Who chose the Canada goal song at the world juniors? And can you please slap them? 
none of the players will say who exactly told it, who chose it. Okay. Uh, it's that Hey Baby song. Yep. And it's really catchy the first time you hear it. But <laughs> when they scored eight goals the one game against Denmark, I was going to jump out of the booth. And I think that's for them. That's what they like the best. Yeah. yeah they're, they're okay with it, right? Your head, but it's in you. You can't get it out. Uh, from John Cohn and Con, and this could be from my wife also. At what point do we start talking about Vegas as a legitimate contender? I mean, seriously, Ray, they're second overall in the league. Like, what the f? Uh, for me, for me, I can't, I can't, I can't get there until. <laughs> I can't, get, I can't get there. He says. Like, I just, I just can't get there. <laughs> Mainly because it's one of those things, Steve. Like it just can't be. Why? I don't know. It just can't be. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, from Nicholas, uh, I just read the tragic story about Matt Johnson. Uh, it was also on TSN. I don't know if it was in. A, it was a video, also a series, a little yeah. about four, three weeks ago. Uh, and Ray uh, Nicholas wants to know: Did you play with him? And and, and you did on Twitter. You mentioned you, he was a former teammate at the Kings. Yeah, I actually sat beside Matt uh, in L.A. for years, and in the locker room, he's really, honestly, he's a really sweet guy. Really, like, it, and you know, um, not a big personality at all, and um, you know, just an incredibly large guy, large, um, you know, uh, tough, and but that wasn't really him. Like, he wasn't a mean-spirited person at all, and I think we hear that a the tough guys that do that job. Yep. When I when I was contacted for the story, I mean I I'd lost touch with Matt and uh-huh. um and I I just was blown away that he could be in straights. I mean it's a it's a you know I I don't I don't even really know what to say other than I I hope they can locate him and they can find him help that he's willing to accept. And uh, it sounds like um you know, that's the yeah. goal of this whole this whole investigative piece. Well, I was gonna my follow up question to you was was anything new since that piece has come out? But it sounds like no, no, not no. that I've heard. Right. And and if if it would be it would you know if there is something new, it would be very quiet, right? Right, right, right. Um, are there any differences, Ray, from uh, TW? Are there any differences in working for NBC, TSN, and this and and the regional games that you do? Yeah, lots of differences. Um, I. A, uh, the NBC teams are different in the way they're produced. Um, uh, more focus on and more time for the play-by-play guy than the than the analyst. Um, send games are perhaps the other way around. Um, one's not right. One's they're just different. I'm lucky that you know lots of times I work at NBC. I work with Gord at or way. Yeah, Gord Miller or Chris Cup. Occasions I've worked with John Forsland. I've worked with Mike Emmerich a few times, and um, I mean, you know, fantastic play-by-play guys. I'm gonna. I've got games coming to NBC this month, um, and most of those were with Doc. And um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what's the? The guy is the guy is phenomenal. Um, they they have a uh, like cameras available. So for me, you know, to answer your question, what's important to me is that there's enough cameras available to say, have a look at that across the ice. There's a, enough cameras there. Sometimes some shows don't have as many cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're limited by, you know, by what's there. All right. Uh, Greg Soto, what's your favorite stadium, or stadium, I guess, arena, uh, to call a game between the benches and least favorite? Um, hmm. Favorite? They're kind of all the same. Yeah. Uh, down there, uh, Toronto is 
uh, is the one you feel most in the play. Uh, it's the most dangerous mm-hmm. um, because there's no glass on either side of you. You can't hide. And so I, I spend less time looking at the monitor, the little TV I have in front of me in Toronto, than any other place. Like that. Yeah. But it's, it's you know, it's kind of like everything. It's the best and the worst yep. altogether. Um, uh, let's see here. I think you said that. Did you not say the old Joe Lewis was the worst back? Well, was, the old yeah. Joe Lewis was the worst because it was the old Joe Lewis. <laughs> I mean, it was dirty and cramped and, yeah. you know. So um, the new ones are all, um, yeah. you've got enough space and you've got enough room. And um, I, lo- that's, I love being down on the ice at any time, to be honest with you. I don't care if it's a good spot or a bad yep. spot. I like being down there. It's my favorite spot. Uh, how surreal was it from Brett? How surreal was it to have the ice to yourself on the stadium floor? Like you, you mentioned it earlier, you touched on it, but did you, was it? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I could have, they told us to get off cause they were worried about us marking up the ice too much or yeah. I don't know what the three of us were going to do, but anyway, <laughs> um, we had to get off. I could have stayed out there a long time and I never skate. Right. Um, yeah. I honestly, I think that was my first time on skates in probably well over a year and man, I just loved it. It was fun. Well, weren't you threading passes to Landon a little while ago or something? Yeah, but right. I mean, that's what I was doing. Yeah. I'm just standing there. Right, right. This is the first time I skated around and actually, oh, I loved it. Right, right. Uh, I, always get, I get out there and I go, I should do this more, and then I just don't. <laughs> you just don't, right? Uh, from Mike, uh, Ray, you were known for your iconic mustache. I don't know about that. I don't know if you were known for it. Was it. a good stash. It, it was, but, I mean, Lanny, you know, was known for his iconic stash. Yeah, Anyways, sure, sure. I can buy it, yeah. It was good. No, for sure. Uh, when and why did you decide to shave it? Because the style became the goatee. Yep. So I just grew it, in, grew it into a goatee. And then I got to a certain point, and the goatee went, and I just shaved everything off. And then yeah. I got lazy and grew a beard. Um, There's really a lot of thought went into that last part. Yeah, sounds like it. God, the Whalers were a team of mustaches. They were. We uh, had some good Dave Tippett, Joel Glenville, oh, solid Babbage, Babbage. Ba- Dave Babbage. Oh, uh, two more for you, Ray. From Dave, do you have any crazy New Year's stories from your playing days? Like what? What happened at some point? Where, where were you? Yes and no. I will not discuss. <laughs> Um, we ended up, we were in St. Louis one night, um, and how we got, how we ended up at practice the next day is a minor miracle. What team was this? What, 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 who were you with? What, what, oh, with the Whalers. With the Whalers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, How we got back to practice and got ourselves on the ice and right. It was a minor miracle. No cell phones back then, too. Yep, right, right. You know, that was like if somebody was off the grid, they yep. were off the grid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, you may never see that guy again. Uh, from Jesse, Ray's random NHLer for this week, Dana Merzen. Dana Merzen. And I, w- I meant to look up to see, did you miss Merzen in? No, no. Big, yep. Han- Big Hank was our draft pick okay. yep. over yep. Uh, in Hartford and made the team as an 18-year-old. Big, big, nice guy. Like, just a... An enormous guy. I think he was probably six five. Um, Wait, what'd you call wasn't him? Wasn't the most. What'd, what'd you call him? Big Hank. 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 Big Hank. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, was never fleet of foot. Yeah. Um, and so that became like you know a trouble spot for him. But he was a good player. He could pass the puck. He was strong. Um, he had a good NHL career. But I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think people thought when he was drafted where he was, there was going to be more offense and 
you know, stuff like that. And that just, that just wasn't the case yeah. for him. And it probably wasn't fair that people thought that they were going to get more, but was, that's the way it is in the draft. The guy gets drafted high and people expect it to be, you know, something yeah. that they might not be. Yeah. Luke Shen, uh, uh, Gary Nyland, Dana Merzen, um, uh, Luke Richardson, you know, got yep. people All that were guys. Yeah. They, they could be very good players, but it didn't matter. Yeah. They wanted offense. They want, where's the rest of it? And, <laughs> right. and those guys are probably like, uh, I don't know what you were expecting, but this is what I am. I never had any offense. This was it. I'll keep it out of my net. All right, Ray. Well, uh, hopefully no uh, – um, you know, you predicted Sweden with the win, so hopefully nobody gets on you there in Buffalo. Yep. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I think I think, it, I think there's two good games ahead. I hope, I hope they're good games. I hope uh, – I hope we've got a, a great finish to this tournament. I hope there's a couple of good semis and a, and then the medal games are really good. Um, maybe there, maybe there'll be the drama that we've been missing. Maybe that'll show up here. And uh, I love doing the tournament. I just want it to finish well. Well said, Ray. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for everybody for listening for the show. Uh, appreciate it each and every week. We'll be here at pulphockey.com, Stitcher, iTunes, Android, wherever you get your hockey shows. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.